Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Welcome to The Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied landscape that is Australian cinema. On this episode, I'm joined by guest Miranda Sijak to discuss Brian Trenchard-Smith's 1975 action film, The Man from Hong Kong. Made for a budget of uh, 550000 Australian dollars and having a box office total of about $1.1 million, this is a feast for the eyes. It's a, it's a joyous film to watch. It's great action entertainment and is a film that has gone on to inspire uh, directors like Quentin Tarantino with his films. So stick around, we'll listen to the trailer and then we'll be back with the discussion on the film with Miranda Sajak. From Hong Kong. Listen, there's a Chinese cop in town. He's beginning to annoy me. Yeah, I think he should meet with a slight accident. Jimmy Wong Yu is the man from Hong Kong. A furious arsenal of martial arts. His sights set on smashing organized crime. In my country, Caroline, we have a sport. We take the giant praying mantis, put him in the wooden cage, and make him fight for his life with his own kind. I thought you would enjoy such a sport. You and Jack Wilson in a wooden cage. <laughs> He's a very dangerous man. George Lazenby is Jack Wilton. Gunrunner, dope peddler, ruthless czar of international evil. I've never met a Chinese yet that didn't have a yellow streak. East meets West in a head-on clash with no holes barred. Golden Harvest, who made Bruce Lee a box office smash, have joined with Australia's action specialists to produce a death-defying spectacle that staggers the senses. The man from Hong Kong knows no rules. Everyone he runs across is never quite the same again. I understand the gunman is dead. How did that happen? I killed him. Really? Well, in that case, you deserve a cigar. Thank you. I don't smoke. Tell me, Inspector, 
Do you often take white girls to bed? Only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hmm, <laughs> <sighs> this is nice. What did you expect? Acupuncture? Now do yourself a favor and answer a few questions. Yeah, and I love you too. Yes! <laughs> This is Australia, mate. Not 55 days at Peking. Hey, don't give me any shit. Provoke him at your peril. I want that lunatic stopped. Nothing stands in his way. For long. Nobody's safe. From the man from Hong Kong. joining us again for another episode of The Last New Wave, and this time we're joined with a pretty special guest. Uh, we've got Miranda Sajak, who is a director. Uh, it's our sort of first uh, film-based person joining us to discuss film in particular. Um, so welcome, Miranda, yeah, and yeah, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's fun to be here. <laughs> and so do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and specifically as well about a particular film that you're you're making at the moment as well? I think that that's a pretty exciting thing for everybody to uh, to know about and something to get behind as well. Sure. Um, well, I am, as you said, a filmmaker. Um, I am a writer and director and I occasionally also produce uh, based out of Los Angeles and I am uh, getting ready in like the next pretty soon, actually, it's coming up. Um, I have some shoot dates coming up pretty soon uh, for a film project I've been working on for um, almost the last year now. And we are um, we're currently fundraising for it. Um, It's called No Trace and it is a uh, sort of a cop action thriller. Um, And essentially it follows a undercover cop who um, robs a bank for the mob and then she finds herself on the run from her former police partners so um, lots of twists and turns lots of surprises and it's uh, it's pretty fun so far the script has been getting pretty good ratings everywhere it's been sent out and uh, we just were in the genre blast film festival uh, which is sort of like an action horror uh, thriller festival Uh, yeah we were just accepted into that uh, I want to say a few weeks ago and they just held that, which is super cool. Um, so, yeah, it's been a really fun journey, and and we're kind of on our way right now. And I'm prepping to do some uh, finalized location scouting um, in the next few days, and it's just really exciting. It's going to be a really fun project, and I'm super excited to share it with everybody. And uh, one of our stars is um, James Kyson from Heroes. I'm very excited to be working with him, um, and we're. Yeah, we're in talks with uh, somebody from Firefly for the female lead. So it's going to be like a cool, like, you know, people who are very into like sci-fi action, that kind of thing, um, will definitely see familiar faces. So I think it's going to be really fun. Well, I mean, I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. And and really, whenever you talk about it, I'm, I'm always excited to hear how the project's going along and really, really excited to see how it how it will end up as well uh so you know it's really exciting and and of course as you're saying people can support you as well so i'll I'll make sure to put links and stuff like that in the show notes um to do please everybody check that out it's it's well worth it and so in that regard it makes it kind of 
as you're you're really busy, it makes it extra special that you're you're you know giving me a bit of your time to be able to discuss an Australian action film, um, The Man yes. from Hong Kong. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's very very thrilling, um, especially because this particular month we're going to be discussing a whole bunch of films that are from the the new wave period, which is from the the seventies and eighties, and I guess you can't get any more. Um, uh, more indicative of that particular era than than a film like this. It's um, yeah. it's really something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the question I usually ask the, my guests uh, when they first come on is, have you heard of this film before, or have you heard of the director Brian Trenchard Smith at all before? No, I am completely unfamiliar. Um, it was definitely like a brand new experience for me to uh, like, I didn't even know the movie existed. Um, I don't think I'd see any of the director's other work. Uh, maybe I have. Um, I'm pretty sure I hadn't. So it was definitely like going in completely, completely cold. Um I, oh, it looks like he did. I'm kind of like doing some like last minute research, but it looks like he did some stuff that was like a little bit, um, maybe a little bit more known later on, like some yeah. of the leprechauns or something. Um, yeah, so maybe that's like what he's mostly known for. I didn't like know him by name, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he seems like he has a pretty cool resume. But yeah, I uh, I had not, I was not at all familiar. So uh, I think I think that was it. Yeah, that that is uh, the common response when um, when talking about the Australian films and stuff like that, and it's it's to be expected, which is perfectly fine, um, and that's part of the reason why this podcast exists is to you know to get people aware of these particular films in a way. Um, so, in that regard, when you put it on and you watched it, what was your first impressions? Did you enjoy it? Was it something that you were like, "Wow, this is this is different," or? Or did it meet up um, to what you initially thought? <laughs> well, it definitely, I mean, I didn't know what to think. So I, you know, I, I, and I purposefully kind of went in cold. Like I didn't do any research before I watched it. I literally just was like, okay, this is the movie title. That's all I know. I'm just going to sit and watch it. And I know there's going to be action and that's, I'll just kind of go in cold and see what I think. Um, so I hadn't, I didn't have like super set expectations like you mm -hmm. might if you like watched a trailer or you know did some background or whatever like I specifically didn't because I just kind of wanted to experience it fresh um and it definitely was just so fun um and I think like I mean I say that as if that's a shock but like it shouldn't really be because some movies just are but it was definitely really really fun and I didn't I don't think I expected quite like the level of fun that I got out of watching it. So I definitely would say that that was a surprise for me, just like how just straight up fun it was, like for sure. Yeah, it really is. And it, it kind of plays all its cards in the opening act. I mean, it's a yeah. that, that opening scene with the fight on <laughs> Uluru or Ayers Rock, as, as many people yeah. might know it, is... Um, that's a it's an all timer really it's <laughs> yeah know, it's it's something really exciting and certainly a, a a pretty impressive way to open the film um yeah so i yeah i've having seen it when I was younger and then coming back to it probably about fifteen years later um you know i i I didn't realize that ha exactly how much fun it is because it is a lot of fun and yeah. You know, I guess it goes to the mostly to the towards the the fighting and the the acting in a way. Um, yeah. But this is an action film, and it's you know, as 
I think the idea was to try and start this kind of revival of um, making a, a cross-country uh, mashup in a way. So you've got the, the Chinese alongside yep. Australian cinema and trying to make sort of like a an Australian kung fu film. And because I know the director, Brian Trenchard-Smith, had tried to do something with Bruce Lee before he passed away. And uh, obviously that didn't that didn't eventuate, but um, so we ended up with this. And unfortunately, there was I'd love to be able to say that this spawned a whole bunch more Australian kung fu films, but um, this seems to be the only one. So, <laughs> um, which is too bad because it was really fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of fun. And so, in that regard, what what did you think of the the acting here? So we've got two sort of main people you've got Yu Wang who sort of co-directed the film in a way and you also have a one-time James Bond George Lazenby as well yeah um so how did you think they went um I think they were both really good uh you know I wasn't I I mean I'm not um you know I think I I have talked about this a little bit on the past maybe on Twitter but I actually have not seen I think I've only seen one James Bond film in my entire life um, which is sort of funny because I think that this film has a lot of like, it not does, even necessarily yeah. references, but just like shares a lot of like similar tropes maybe. Um, so that was sort of fun for me. Um, but I just, I thought they were both really, really fun. Um, you have a really fun villain who's like obviously this like mastermind. Um, and then you also have this, uh, you know, a little bit more stoic, but also like ladies man, um, you know, kind of protagonist Mm. who is really fun, too. Um, And I just really, I just found them both really, really enjoyable to watch. And, you know, as you have this, like, really smart um, protagonist kind of tracking this, like, evil mastermind villain, um, you kind of see both of them keep almost like leveling up in their like outsmarting as like each of them tries to outsmart the other. And, you know, one of them sort of like tries to track the other. And then the other one is like, Oh, well you might've found me, but like, you don't know that like, I'm about to challenge you to a fight in front of all people. (laughs) And like, so it's just like this great kind of cat and mouse chase scenario. And it kind of just gets better and better throughout. So I, I thought they both did a really good job. Um, and particularly within like the constraints of the era, like there are definitely like specific expectations that you have of like how they're going to act and what they're going to do in certain moments. And they really fulfill them really well. Like they definitely went above and beyond my expectations in that regard for sure. Yeah. They, I think the, the, key thing as well is that they managed to really get a lot out of a really tiny budget and um you know this is i I don't know the exact budget but yeah for for its time it wasn't a heck of a lot and you know to have all these explosions and these great fight sequences as well is just it adds so much to the film too and you know i think that the supporting cast is really good as well and yeah. you know fans of uh, mad max may know um the actor hugh keys burn who plays uh the he played morton joe in mad max fury road so he's one of the police officers here and looking much much different of course <laughs> <laughs> but you know the supporting act is quite good as well and of course um Samo Hung, who, you know, people who enjoy these kinds of films and stuff may know his work from from Chinese cinema. He did a lot of the choreography for this film as well and has a bit of a guest part as 
uh, he's the guy that's in the the opening sequence uh, with the fight on on Ayers Rock, okay. and uh, I, I think that's pretty exciting as well. I mean, it's not it's not going to blow your socks away or anything like that, but it's actually it's enjoyable in the sense that there's a lot of how nasty the fighting is, like and how yeah. kind of unpolished it is in a way. Um, there's yeah. a lot of uh, kicks in the nuts and stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. And just how you know, I guess for a better, for want of a better term, I guess how un PC the fighting is. Um, yeah, yeah. So, as an action film, did you enjoy that? How did you find that that worked? Um, I really liked it. I thought it was, um, you know, obviously, like, it's definitely a product of its era. So, you know, there's certain things like cheesy sound effects that yeah. you just kind of laugh <laughs> about. Um, but I thought that the, you know, the fight choreography for its time, definitely, it was, like, kind of dirty. And it was kind of, um, you know, they they don't shy away from letting characters kind of, like, fall down and have to catch themselves. And, you know, they don't. That, like, not everything is, like, super suave and perfect. Like, there are definitely moments where you are like, oh, this character might not make it out of this fight. Um, so I did appreciate that they included those moments because I think a lot of films might shy away from that. And particularly in that era when it was really the era of, like, the super suave fight um, yeah. that wasn't quite as gritty as we have today. Um, there were some moments that were a little bit more gritty and I liked that. I definitely thought that that helped sell a lot of those moments. Yeah. The, uh, the extremely fake blood and stuff like that, of course, as you're saying yeah. is, is, you know, it's a relic of the era, but it, it kind of works really well in this, this film, totally. especially in the, there's a certain sequence where, you know, he's climbed up the, this building and then has this huge fight in this kind of training studio and, and gets really cut up on his back and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, yeah okay, the the special effects and the makeup is, is clearly fake, but it, it adds a, a level of charm to the film, especially given how, um, you know, that him climbing up the side of the building and, and the later jumping off the side of the building was all stuff that he did himself. Like, they're, they're real stunts. There's no stunt double or anything like that. It's just him going yeah I can climb up the side of the building you just film it and I'll climb up there so it it adds a certain element and I don't know yeah that charm to that that particular to the film and I guess it kind of for me at least it it compensates a little bit for the um for the acting in some regards it's not the world's best acting nobody's winning awards here um and neither is the dialogue it's not exactly the world's (laughs) best dialogue uh and you know, some of it's not really aged all that well. It's, you know, the it does kind of come across a little bit cringeworthy. Um, in that regard, with the dialogue, is how did you find the the terminology and stuff like that? That uh, you know, is obviously this was made in nineteen seventy five, and we're in twenty sixteen, and coming to it from you know with a modern aspect and looking back at it, it was that were there anything that sort of made you cringe or was just yeah, you took yeah I mean, it definitely, you know, kind of like we said, even with the fighting is that it definitely like, it, it's a relic of its time for sure. And like, you definitely have those moments where you're like, okay, like you probably <laughs> wouldn't get away with saying that here. Um, you know, so there are definitely things that were just culturally acceptable 
um, then that just wouldn't be now. Um, but that's just, you know, again, like I think that points to, and I mean, maybe that's just my privilege talking, but I do, I do feel like that points to some of the charm of it. And I think that that's just something where when you are looking at, you know, things from the perspective of today, it's really easy to say like, well, you know, that's maybe a little inappropriate or like maybe they shouldn't have gone there. Um, but when you look at it, you know, as just a product of when it was made, it's like, okay, well, I recognize that at the time, nobody would have really thought twice, you know, um, people would have just been like, okay, like, yeah, that's part of the enjoyment that we're getting out of this movie, or that's totally reasonable that somebody would say that, you know. Um, so there's, there are certainly things like that, that were, I definitely had a couple of those moments where I was like, Ooh, okay. Um, but like, then I was also like, okay, well, but I'm also looking at it from, you know, however many years later, um, what, like 40 years later. And so it's sort of like, all right, well, you kind of expect, and in a way, like you're glad that there's been cultural growth in that time and that we're not still okay with that. So, um, Mm. like that's kind of a good thing maybe that we're kind of recognizing that, um, and, and it also like, it just kind of like the fights, you're just like, well, you know what, like this was the seventies, like, you know, people thought of, of things a different way. And there was a lot more, especially the people in power, um, were a lot more homogenous than they are today. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have a lot more diversity in terms of who's even like writing the scripts today or who's approving the scripts today, mm. um, or who's financing the movies today. So what you get out of films today is just going to be different anyway. So, um, you know, it's that for me, like it definitely, like you said, like I had those moments, but like they weren't, none of them were prohibitive to my enjoyment of the movie. Like they were all just kind of like part of the whole seventies, like feel, because um, you sort of expect that in a 70s film. Like, yes, yeah. it, it, it would be unusual to find a 70s film that kind of didn't include some of those elements. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was part of the expectation, I think, once I sort of saw that opening and I was like, okay, okay <laughs> like, we're, like, we're good. This is going to be fun, you know? Yeah. So you just buckle in and you're like, okay, like, this is going to be, this is fine, you know? Yeah. So I, one of the things I found quite interesting was that um, doing a bit of research for it was finding out that, the, I guess the the racially insensitive pol- Australian police officers, at least, were intentionally written that way to make the you know the uh, the character of Fang Sing Ling seem a lot more um, competent and much better at his job and doesn't let those kinds of things bother him. So I th- yeah. <laughs> I found that really interesting in the sense that that was it was kind of intentional in a sense and is curious in that regard because. You know, to have that, I mean, I don't know how, I don't think it entirely comes off very well, but to have that kind of foresight in the sense that yeah. look, this is not right and we'll try and make a comment on it, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't always ex- succeed, but it tries at yeah. least. <laughs> yeah, I think they do do that with the character, and I'm sure we're going to get into that in a minute, but like, I think it was really interesting. Um, there are some like interracial relationships going on yes. and like that, that was maybe like the most unexpected element for me, um, particularly for its time. And I was just like, okay, like they really, um, they weren't afraid to do that. And I think that, you know, when you point out that there was some forethought in terms of them, you know, making him look a little more competent and also like more sympathetic, um, by kind of having these, you know, sort of goofballs who are <laughs> kind of making fun of him because they just don't understand him and his culture. Um, that 
that kind of fits because they obviously also weren't afraid to say like, okay, but we're, you know, even today, like it's really rare to see like an East Asian guy as like this heroic sort of sex symbol, um, you know, kind of really cool fighter, you know, like it's just, you'll see them do like martial arts or whatever, but like you won't see like an East Asian guy as like also the sex symbol element. Um, And I really appreciated that. So I think that that was something that like, like you're saying with the dialogue that, you know, if they had kind of pre-planned some of that, that actually kind of speaks highly of them being able to like have that forethought and also then incorporating him as this like heroic macho sex symbol, which ultimately is kind of what the character is. Yeah. And I guess in that regard, going back to what you're saying about this, having a lot of the tropes of a, of a Bond film in a way, you know, he is, he is quite enjoyable in that regard as kind of the, uh, the Bond surrogate, and you yeah. know, I think that he actually he manages to take on board a lot of those things uh, that make Bond who he is quite well. And yeah. for me, you know, I'm not a huge Bond fan. I have I've watched a fair few of them, but I don't actually I don't I don't have an affection to the films. Um, yeah. But I would have loved to have seen a whole series with you know this guy as the lead, and you know with ho- with him going through all of these kinds of. Uh, exploits and stuff like that and going to that interracial relationship in a way the um you know it, it does feel a bit surprising in the sense obviously it's it's telegraphed right from the beginning in the sense that yeah. uh, this girl literally flies down in front of him <laughs> in the middle of hong kong um and you get an idea all right this is going to be something but you know he he has two women that he beds in the film and yeah and second one is highly in, you know dispensable in the sense that she saves his life and then, you know, repairs him and then suddenly falls in love with him, just like a Bond lady would. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then, uh, unfortunately, she dies in an explosion, um, which propels yeah. him even further to, to get revenge, uh, which yeah. I think is hilarious in a sense. Um, but it works totally. It works in a way as well. And it yeah, does. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean... It's great. Like, it absolutely works. And, you know, the other thing that I think is really interesting about it is just that they were so unafraid for some reason. And I don't know why, but, like, for some reason, at that point when they were making this movie, they were like, it's totally going to be fine for us to have this, like, you know, East Asian guy, like, being this sex symbol, being this Bond surrogate, you know, kicking butt and, like, having all these girls and, you know, whatever. And, they never like then i mean today we're like arguing over whether like idris elba could be bond and it's yeah. like well hasn't you seen this movie because this was in the 70s and it was fine you know so i, I just i almost feel like this should be like required viewing for hollywood because yeah. like it's totally like it's completely proving that it's fine it completely works like there's no reason why it shouldn't work yeah exactly and I find it interesting as well. You know, apparently Yu Wang was not exactly the best, uh, the easiest actor to work with, but oh. you wouldn't notice it in the film at all. Yeah. And, you know, the, he he apparently didn't get along too well with his female co-stars, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't show. And I think yeah. that's either, you know, it's a testament to his skills or the directing or the editing or whatever, but it, it, it works. And... You know, he oh, even are. manages to sell some of those really funny lines a bit later on when they're they're courting each other and stuff like that. And I, I can't remember the exact line off the top of my head, but you know, they they do say some um, 
uh, quite amusing things, which just they seem wrong, but they they work so well. <laughs> totally, totally. That 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 particular yeah. scene next to the um, the waterfall and and stuff yeah. is uh, is just hilarious. Um, yeah. In particularly in that uh, that piti- that Bond style. Do you think you've recovered enough for me to make love to you? I think I could stand the pain. <laughs> What did you expect? Acupuncture? (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful line like that, which is just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, very Bond. Yes, yeah. (laughs) So in that regard, um, do you have a favourite scene or a favourite moment or even a favourite sort of action scene from this particular film? Um, Yeah, I I mean, for me, like, you know, I will say, like, kind of we mentioned some of them earlier um you know like climbing the building and like you know there's a bunch of different fight scenes and like the end sequence is really satisfying uh but i think because i came into it really really cold um just without any experience or knowledge of what it was even going to be about um for me i think it was really the opening uh which really set the tone and um you know that kind of big chase fight sequence um and you know you kind of have this tension of like who's gonna like who's the bad guy like what are they exactly doing you know um and you're not really aware of like what's happening but you know that something like sort of suspicious is going on um and i just love the tension setup then into the build of the fight sequence and sort of the final capture um that I just I loved all of that. Like I thought that whole open was just a really great setting for this is what the tone is. This is what this is going to be about. Um, you know, we obviously don't really meet our protagonist until a little bit later, but it just still gives us all of that. Like, like these days we do a lot of those sort of like opening action sequences to kind of like set the style of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just felt like that one was really effective and I really enjoyed it. And it, definitely added a lot of production value to the film too because there's like a helicopter and there's like (laughs) other stuff going on and you're like oh my god like how did they manage to do that um so it definitely like despite the fact that you know whatever the budget for the film was it just makes it feel really professional and smooth and just you know no matter how many obviously like some side issues they were having like it's just really like Mm a great fun open. Um, and for me, I just really enjoyed that because it really brought me into the world and it was like, this is where you are, you know, this is the era, this is what's happening. Um, and that was all stuff that like, as kind of like a newbie viewer to this whole movie and, you know, the characters and most of the actors and everything. Um, it was great to kind of see that. So I, I felt like the opening for me is probably like one of the most memorable elements. Yeah, I, I agree there as well, especially because it's kind of the, um, the you know, the entry point for international viewers in the sense that, you know, people yeah. know what Airs Rock is, they understand what that yeah. is. And, and it's, you know, the I guess in a way, from an Australian perspective, it finally gives me some understanding of why we constantly see, you know, landmarks like american landmarks or uk landmarks in films but just because it makes it so much easier for people to get that entry point into a film yeah and you know in a way part of me kind of wishes like the final moments of this the climax of this film had occurred on um the sydney opera house just to kind of end it in a way but um you know it wasn't to be so uh and 
you know, I, I can understand that they probably weren't so keen in blowing the top off the Sydney Opera House, but um, yeah, regardless, the, the the explosions and stuff in the climax are great. Um, for me, I really like the car chase sequence. Um, yeah. Mostly because it just feels so, uh, like it feels so authentic and feels so, like it shouldn't be happening in the sense. Um, and I guess it goes back to the budget in the sense that they were able to get away with a little bit more uh, sort of risky stuff and stunts in the sense that you know there was no i doubt that there was really much any supervision or anything like that or they had to sign off or anything to ensure that actors were kept safe or anything but uh you know which obviously nowadays that wouldn't happen but um you know it's still it's it's enjoyable in the sense that you can see how small those roads are and you can see how tight they are and and intercutting with the quite amusing reactions of the unfortunate people who get their cars driven off the road and flipped over and stuff like that. I think there's one particular shot of a of a lady whose car flips over and, uh, you know, she peeks her head out and shakes her fist in a sense that, like, oh, look what you've done, you know. And uh, that just adds to the personality of the film. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, the other part as well that I really enjoy as well is the going back to that Bond comparison um, is the the theme song uh, which is by some it's by a British band called Jigsaw and it's such an enjoyable theme song especially after that opening sequence um, you know just to launch into that is such a it feels so cheesy and stuff and it feels like it's taking the Mickey and all that kind of stuff but it's actually. I don't know. It it works so well <laughs> for me. I it's think that, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's super catchy and it's definitely really funny and just like again, kind of like that open. It just it really sets the tone. It's like this is what this is, and you know we're not going to apologize. We're not going to like. There's nothing like you know. There there's almost like a lack of realization about how funny it is, but like yeah. it's because they all play it very straight, you know. Um, but it's just so funny and so fun and it just it adds a lot to it for sure i I love the theme song yeah (laughs) so are there any other sort of moments that you you want to touch on before we um we wrap up in in our discussion or are there any um sort of action parts that you that really stand out for you other than obviously the main one um i I like the main one. I like the opening. I like um, the bad guy's name. I'm totally blanking on, but like, I like when he's sort of like training with his underlings and, you know, it's like a very, it's kind of like a classic villain moment, uh, but he's sort of like training with them and it's like, they all like, aren't, they're just like not good enough for him because he's so talented, you know, um, which I kind of love. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked all of that. Um, you know, I just, I think it's just such a classic, 70s piece of filmmaking like I it almost shocks me that it's not like that I hadn't heard about it and that I you know wasn't really familiar with it because it's it fits so well in its Mm. era like it's just it hits all the right beats like all of those tropes are there like there's no reason why it couldn't be watched alongside a James Bond and just be equally as enjoyable so um yeah I mean I I just I loved it like I thought it was great so well, I guess in that sense, um, that kind of answers the, usually the next question. If, if is this a, would you recommend this film to anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely would, um, and I think you know because I am not a huge Bond fan. Like I think I would recommend it to people 
both people who are big James Bond fans, because I think that there will be a lot of satisfaction out of seeing something that's sort of within that same vein, but just has kind of a different cast and, you know, is kind of playing with it a little bit differently at different settings and so forth. Um, And then I would also recommend it to people like myself who are not big James Bond fans, um, but who are into action or adventure or into 70s films. Like there's like a lot of categories that you can tick off. Mm. Um, But I, you know, I think that it's just a really, just a really fun, enjoyable film. And so if you're looking to just like kind of, you know, there's not a big thinking film like there, you know, there's certainly elements that you can think of and you can kind of force yourself into. But like, it's definitely just more of a like watch and enjoy kind of movie. Um, I really think that it's really fun. So I absolutely would recommend it. And you know, whether whether you're American or Australian or no matter where you're from, I think that you can get some enjoyment out of this movie because it genuinely is an enjoyable watch. I agree. I agree. And I'm glad that you really enjoyed it as well. Right. Um, I know that uh, one of the, the big fans of this particular film is Quentin Tarantino. And I do wonder yeah. if, um, you know, obviously Kill Bill is inspired by those sorts of films. And I doubt that he... Um, you know, really looked at this film as an inspiration, but uh, part of me kind of hopes that he, he did in some ways. Um, but yeah. <laughs> he did. I mean, there's like so much of his stuff is like 70s throwback and, you know, sort of like Grindhouse, like exploitation mm. film kind of throwback stuff. And, you know, my gut is that whether or not he particularly sat down with this specific movie before making that one, like I'm sure it influenced him because there are influences there for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that regard as well, is there any sort of U S or it doesn't have to be a U.S. film, but is there a particular American film or anything that uh, you would think is a good comparison to this that you would recommend as a, a sort of companion piece in a way? Um, well, I mean, you kind of mentioned, you know, with, uh, you know, some of the Tarantino stuff, I definitely think fits for sure. Um, but I would even say even probably more so, um, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but would be for sure, like all of the James Bond movies. Um, I think also the Mission Impossible films, like, I think really, anytime you're thinking about like a sort of an international spy thriller, um, you're kind of in the right ballpark. So, you know, if you have an international spy thriller movie that you're like, oh, this is my favorite one, like, that's probably going to be comparable just because it does hit so many of those same notes. You know, you have the like, um, you know, multi-country collaboration going on, uh, which so often happens in a lot of these movies that kind of take place over the entire world. Um, And you have... Uh, you know, the evil supervillain and you have like the action and like the really, you know, suave superhero who saves the day. And, you know, it just it's all it's got a lot of the same beats. So Mm. I think like really even just as a genre, like when you're looking at, um, you know, international super spy thrillers, like you're going to find that most of them will be comparable to this one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I think that it's a good kind of for me, I think that this particular film would work if you're having a film night, like a themed film night or something like yeah. that. Throw it on as like the second or third film alongside those kinds of films yeah. and, and you'll really enjoy it when you're, yeah, amongst Absolutely. friends and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, once again, I, I thank you so much for, for being on this show. I really appreciate it. Um, 
and oh. I really appreciate you know taking your time to to watch this particular film as well. Um, so if you can just remind the listeners uh, just a little bit about yourself again and, and where they can find you on social media too, it would be great. Um, yeah, well, again, like I am a filmmaker from Los Angeles and I have an action film that I'm working on myself. Um, and I am on Twitter um, at Miranda Sejak. And then um, my film is uh, at GoFundMe.com slash Miranda Directs. And I believe there are links to social media and so forth in there as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways to reach me on the internet, but, um, Twitter is probably like the best one cause I'm on it way too much. <laughs> yes, yes. And definitely head across and, and follow Miranda. It's, it's highly recommended. It's, uh, certainly one of the more entertaining and, uh, informative, uh, Twitter accounts to follow as well out of the, the many that are on there. And of course, head across to that website and, and follow and support the film as well. I, I highly recommend it. Um, so yeah, thank you very much again, Miranda. I, I really appreciate it. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed watching the movie and I've enjoyed talking to you. Cheers. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the last new wave. Hopefully enjoyed the discussion uh, with Miranda and I about this film. And of course, as I have mentioned in another episode, the the complimentary episode, which is the interview with the director, Brian Trenchard Smith, Uh, The Man from Hong Kong is getting a Blu-ray released through Umbrella Entertainment. So make sure to keep an eye on their website. It hits at the end of October and is well worthwhile picking up that particular Blu-ray as it's paired with a bunch of other films from Brian Trenchard-Smith and the transfer is a 4K transfer as well. So it's a pretty special release. So once again, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, The Last New Wave. Uh, Also, you can head over to our main website, which is abfilmreview.com for previous episodes as well as episodes of the main show. If you can leave us a review on iTunes, it would be fantastic. And make sure to share the episode with your friends just so that they can all get an understanding of what this this great land of Australia has to offer with, uh, with cinema. So once again, thanks for listening to The Last New Wave. And instead of uh, me just kind of wrapping up the episode here, we're going to listen to the theme song from The Man from Hong Kong, uh, which is Sky High by Jigsaw. So enjoy listening to that, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Last New Wave.
Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.